This episode brought to you in part by Special Tees Custom Printing. Visit special-tees.com. That's special-tees.com. Gypsy Cab Studios and the Nerd Camp Network present Camp Nightmare, a podcast for happy campers. There'll be fun, fiends, and ghosts. Maybe even a few murders. And of course, you're all invited. <laughs> what up, everybody? Hey, campers. Welcome back to Camp Nightmare. I'm Jordan. I am JB. And this is, uh, you know, episode 160. Right. I can't believe we didn't say anything about our 150th episode. Uh, um, but we had it, and now we're at 160, so hooray us. So we're, yeah, <laughs> so good. hooray us. I'm sorry, I am in such a good mood right now. I'm going to start out talking about this. Uh, we don't really talk about politics a lot on the show. Yeah. Uh, but It's like political Christmas. It really ha- is, If though. my birthday was also on Christmas, uh, yeah. and somehow a leap year got confused, and Halloween also fell on Christmas that year. Yep. So you, best day ever. so you, you probably already know because you're listening to this a couple weeks after it happened. But yeah. yesterday, Donald Trump was officially indicted with 34 different counts of uh, felony falsifying of business records, uh, which is amazing. Old, old so Donny T's going down. That is great, <laughs> and the details of like I would encourage all of you to read the details of that because they're fucking incredible. What's even cooler for Jordan and I is local in local news here in Frederick. For those of you uh, that are listening that are Fre- Fredericktonians, you probably already know this as well. Our local county sheriff, Chuck Jenkins, who is basically real life boss hog from old, old Chucky J. He uh, he is he has described himself as the East Coast Joe Arpaio, uh, <laughs> is no no enemy of Donald Trump. Uh, he's a big old Trumper. He was at the Capitol on January 6th. Mr. Not, a, J- not afraid to brag about it Not either. afraid to brag about it either. Mr. Chuck Jenkins has been indicted uh, federally with, gun, with weapons charges relating to a scheme that he had with another local gun shop owner where he was uh, illegally acquiring at least semi-automatic, probably automatic machine guns through our local sheriff's office under the pretense they were to be demonstrated by our sheriffs. They never made it to the sheriff's office. Instead, they went to these private local gun stores and were being, quote-unquote, rented to select private customers. Now, I don't mean to be all like, oh, drones read between the lines, but let's be honest. They were arming extremists is what they were doing. Yeah, so for those who don't live in, like, semi-rural areas, maybe don't have rednecks, you're like, what are these guys talking yeah. about? Reference the movie Halloween Kills and reference all of the evil dies tonight type folks. Those guys are all over the place around here. And they yeah, were they all are. getting armed uh, thanks to our fine sheriff and some other machine gun nuts. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, now he's indicted on federal charges. So, so we'll, we'll post a link to all that uh, on our X-Files in case you guys are interested. It is, a re- it is like, besides so yeah, so the yeah, fact feels... that I'm so giddy, it's actually a really interesting case. And it's a really it interesting study of someone that could have just been local and corrupt and done well at that, but like... Right. Had too much hubris and was like, "No, I want to be. Want to go big. I want to be this this beacon of national nationalist sheriffs." So, and it it makes me nostalgic for uh, our own local history, right? When we used to have a pizza shop that was also a front for gun running. <laughs> I lived two doors down from that. Pizza what was the name of that fucking place? Casa Pizza. Ca- and Casa their pizza, pizza was fucking dope. Yeah, too, I dude. remember because like when I was a kid, I didn't live in Frederick. We lived a little further out, and we would come into like I'd get to go to Pit Crew and get to right. go to somewhere else, and it was exciting. And we get pizza from there, delicious. And then it was like, oh, they're 
running guns, you know? And yep. everyone was like, oh, my. That's exactly and now, what happened. the new generation has its own uh, Frederick Gunn conspiracy that they get to talk about for years and years. So yeah. that's always fun. So today's episode... Now that we've gotten, now that we've gotten our Gideon, we had to get our way. wiggles out there. Uh, Sorry, today's guys. episode where we uh, came straight from Creature Feature. This is after hours Creature Feature goodness. Ooh, I so like that Jordan hours. and I hosted the uh, the Tim Baum panel, which we we're gonna. I think that's next week, right? Yeah. Um, he is, he is the star of Dead Alive, yeah. which is the subject of today's episode. So after that panel, we retired to our boudoir, to my boudoir, my hotel room with. No, I like calling it a boudoir. Let's let's stick with that. To my boudoir with our good friends uh, <laughs> Matt, Scott, and Kyle from Horror Movie Night podcast, and talked about Dead Alive. Yes, Scott and Kyle definitely came armed with these strange alcoholic Mountain Dews. Yeah, that I, I, I'm still not convinced we're a real thing. But uh, I, it was very for and like this. I'm gonna be honest with you. This conversation goes all fucking over the place. Yes, this is definitely like, like trying to wrangle five podcasters in a room. It's hard. Talk and and keep us on one subject. It's hard. It's tough enough. And we had all just come from doing a live panel with ten podcasters on a stage yeah. at one time. So I think our hubris maybe you know got a little big. Work. We can do <laughs> anything. Well, and I. But I, you know what? Dare I say? I think we pulled it off. I think we pulled this shit. I off. I think controlled substances played a role in that too. Hey, you know, you gotta you gotta keep on track somehow. <laughs> That's true. So we welcome the horror movie guys into JB's boudoir, and we talk all about Dead Alive. But since we do bounce around on subjects a little bit, quite a bit uh, on this episode. Let's cover some Dead Alive fundamentals right here and now. Yep. Dead Alive was a 1992 film directed by Peter Jackson, written by Peter Jackson, Stephen Sinclair, and Fran Walsh, with Sinclair also getting story credit for the for the movie. It stars uh, Tim Balm as Lionel, Diana Penelver as Paquita, and Elizabeth Moody as Lionel's mother. Uh, yeah, and now Elizabeth Moody gives the performance of a goddamn lifetime yes, in does. this movie. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, and I think we all agree in this episode at some point, and, and Tim Baum agreed with us too, that the ear-putting scene in Dead Alive oh, is my. truly the most horrifying thing the... in this movie. <laughs> like, hands down. Dick and creamy, just the way I like it. So uh, next week we're going to have the Q&A panel with Tim Baum. Yep. But uh, until then, we're, we're going to hang out with Horror Movie Night and talk about Dead Alive. But before we go into JB's boudoir, let's get into some what's new. Up first on movie news and camp news. And, yeah, and just cool news. And just cool-ass shit. Our Nothing Is Real uh, t-shirt design has been selected by the powers that be to be worn by lead actress Rebecca Kennedy in the film Crust that is coming out. And, and if you guys are frequent listeners on the show, you know all about Crust because we've had Sean Whalen, the star and writer-director of that movie, on a couple times. Yeah, and we we, did, we got a really sweet uh, comment from Rebecca on uh, Instagram yesterday. She said she, she can't wait to wear a shirt on, on, like on screen. I can't wait to see it either. I'd They're going to shoot the movie in black and white, so it's going to be all like artsy and stuff. And it's fucking surreal, dude. It's surreal. It's, <laughs> it's a little surreal. Cool. Like I was, I you know I I read the email last night that like the email doesn't let us know we had won, and then I read the Instagram post and everything. I reposted the Instagram post, and I still hadn't really processed it. And I was like about to fall asleep last night, and I was like, "Fuck me, we're gonna be in a movie." <laughs> and I know that doesn't mean like you're in movies all the time. You make movies, so like I'm not in them. I, but your I designs, are, your designs are in movies all the time. I slipped this design in my own movie. Oh yeah. So you know we're gonna see the nothing is real design featured in a couple films in the next year or two. So keep an eye out for that and keep up with Crust as that film develops. We're going to have Sean back on the show for sure to talk more about yeah. that. After this, we got more movie news. Eli Roth 
Thanksgiving. We we talked about how Eli Roth is making his fake trailer for Thanksgiving into a real yeah. movie. It has a release date with theaters. I can't wait to see this. It's in, in November. Theaters. In November, of course it's November. If you're not going to do a Thanksgiving release for a fucking movie called Thanksgiving, uh, you know, and I've never had like a Thanksgiving slasher movie. No, there's I, not I, many of them, but definitely not on the big like screen. There's like two that I can say are full on like Thanksgiving themed slasher. Films. I know one you're thinking of. What what's the other one? Uh, <laughs> you well, know, and I know. I mean, there's the Thanksgiving, obviously. Oh, Thanksgiving, of course. That was uh, the one I was. And then forgetting. there's Blood Rage. Yeah, I was thinking about. Blood there's Rage. one that that was like an End of the Rage. Dark special on Hulu called Pilgrim. Oh uh, yeah, not really a Thanksgiving slasher. Film. Like it, it would have been a great short film. Yep, yep. It's <laughs> li- about, it's I'll literally like about an hour and twenty minutes too long. Maybe they could have done a creep show episode like that or something, but uh, I don't know. I uh, think that might have been. I think that might have even been too long. I'm with you. Thanks, killing blood rage, and now thanks. But yeah, but now we're Thanksgiving. Gonna, now we're gonna have a real Thanksgiving slasher film. This will be fun to see on the big screen. Yeah. I'm excited for this. So, and then up last, because there's always more of this uh, remake news. We're getting an iconic film remake now. Uh, a, a Kubrick film, Clockwork Orange, is getting. A remake Why? with with none other than Sir Evan Peters. Fucking, of course, it's going to be Evan Peters. You remember when that time when Evan Peters was like, "I did too many American Horror Stories. I need to take a break from all the dark stuff." And then he took. And then ma- he's just leaning real hard into dark stuff. Yeah, I guess that he went to the beach or something. He was like, ah, "Okay, I'm no, good. he did I'm a good. he did a few X Men films. Okay, as, as Quicksilver, and was like, "Okay, I'm done yeah, being a hero. Yeah, I'm done. done. I want to I want to drink blood again." Yeah, then he was Dahmer. Now he's going to be the the one of the most iconic films psychopaths of all time. Why? We don't need it. We don't need it. I'm I not agree. saying it's going to be bad, but we don't need it. Yeah, we don't need it. Like you don't need to make you don't need to remake Clockwork Orange, dude. Everything's going to No one's out here remaking fucking Citizen Kane. Like dude, what do you bet that shit's going to happen though? What do you bet? I like, mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give it, yeah, give it another 15 or 20 years when Citizen Kane is so far removed from cinema that Someone is going to be like, oh, I found this thing that no one knows about. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jordan's going to be in a walker like, you little ah, son of a bitch. I called it Rosebud. Yeah, and we'll talk about it on episode 10,549 of Camp Nightmare. <laughs> but that's about the same time that hell. somebody's going to be remaking Ari Aster's Hereditary, right? So like Hereditary. Oh, uh, my. All right, so that does it for what's new. <laughs> uh, up next in our steaming pile of streaming picks. Up first on HBO Max, Jindy Teratovsky's Primal. For you guys that don't recognize that name, mm-hmm. I guarantee you recognize his work. He Absolutely. was behind Powerpuff Girls. He was behind Samurai Jack. He was like one of the lead animators on Powerpuff yeah. Girls, but he was the creator of Dexter's Laboratory. And Samurai Jack. He was also the creator of the original Clone Wars show. Yeah. Well, yes, that's what I was going to say, is the limited release yes. like six-episode run of Clone Wars cartoons that... That Dave Filoni saw and was like, oh, I should have done this. Yeah, I am going to do that. Jendi Tarakovsky saw a need in, after Attack of the Clones came out and was like, what if I just made a limited run to explain all of the things that have no explanation in this film? All the stuff they yada, yada, yada over. And to his credit, Dave Filoni, who was part of Lucasfilm at the time, was like, oh, man, I should probably do this, too. We should probably do something official. Like... I can't believe he got one-upped by this weird guy that made Dexter's Lab. But he's increasingly shown us that he's like a very mature animator and a very mature storyteller. So. And this has to be one of my favorite animated shows that I've seen in a long time. It's um, fantastic. It's definitely one of the best things I think Adult Swim has put out. 
Um, Absolutely. It's two seasons so far. They're both on HBO Max. There's not one word of dialogue in this entire show. It is the relationship of a caveman and a dinosaur that are bound by tragedy, and they keep uh, encountering new strange encounters and violent adversaries in every single episode. And it's, it's just there's something about it. That is wholly unique, yeah. right? And yeah. it's just really beautiful. And it, like it is, it's meditative at times. Where yeah. it's like because it's so silent, the music and sound design can really work. Well, and the animation has like some a special little tinge of uh, like just brutality to it. Yeah. Well, the violence is, is shockingly absurd, brutal. Dude. And some of the things I've uh, I've seen some shit in this show that I never could have imagined before. And you've said that one of your fears is dinosaurs. Uh, I'm just gonna tell you, there's one episode in this show. That gives you a dinosaur zombie, Mm-mm. and it is nope. one of the most horrific things nope. I've ever, I've ever no, seen. No, no, thank you, <laughs> dude. I w- all right. Uh, so I meant to bring this up to you privately, but I'll just talk about it on the air. Yeah, I think I finally found the property that I had to tap out on, like yeah, full oh, on tap out on. Give it to me, fucking Yellow Jackets, dude. Oh, it's not the most horrific thing I've ever seen. Uh-huh. It's not the goriest thing I've ever seen. But there's something about the specific combination of horrific shit with gore in yellow jackets that I do every time I put that show on I have to tap out. It disturbs you? Yeah. Hmm. It really does on some fundamental level. All right, I got to get me into some yellow jacket on. Well, I was I was talking to somebody about it and they were like, "Oh, it's because you have issues with women." And I was like, "No, I don't think that's it. Like I don't think it's about the fact that they're all girls. I think that uh it's just there's something really savage and really brutal about this show that is really dark. And it goes to a different level of human depravity. like, And it's just cannibalism, right? But there's something about the way they present it in this show that's just next-level human depravity, and I just was not prepared for it. All right. Okay, we found another one of... If there's some sort of yeah. like, blending of that and dinosaurs, that would be his ultimate Stop nightmare fuel. Stop it. I, would not see, I wouldn't go see it. That'll be the next movie I make. Thank you so, very uh, much. Up next on Tubi, Bottom Feeder. Take me there. Tell me about Bottom 2007. Feeder. 2007. Now, this... This is like a 2007 movie that looks like it was made in like 1997. Oh, here for it. You know, and it, even better than that, it stars the now late Tom Sizemore. Oh. Uh, and this is Tom Sizemore and crew versus a mutated rat man. <laughs> and it is just as schlocky and uh, bad as you think it is. And that's why it's on today's streaming pick. Fucking sold, dude. Yeah, rat man. It's like a it's like a werewolf, but if you just sort of turn into like a rat or like he's like halfway to turning into a wolf and then just stops. So it's like a tah- it's like a tahine from uh yeah, sure. from the Dark Tower. Yeah. Uh up next on Tubi as well, uh the Satanic Panic documentary. So I've gotten into D&D lately at yeah. 41 finally. <laughs> I uh started playing D&D like a couple months ago with my neighborhood. We have a neighborhood campaign. Uh Josh awesome. Faust, our good friend who was on the show for the Horror of Star Wars episode is our dungeon master and so this documentary uh Satanic Panic is all about uh this Satanic Panic of the 80s but specifically how it affected the D&D world and D&D culture. Um we saw a little bit of that as one of the main plot lines in Stranger Things season four, yeah. uh, you know, with like Eddie Munson basically being hunted down by the entire fucking Yeah, the community uh, was community. blamed or at least like yeah, they were like a scapegoat for a lot of that yeah. thinking. Well, so this documentary is from the perspective of a guy who's actually a modern Pentecostal preacher and also a D and D nerd. And uh, he's a guy that grew up in the Satanic Panic as a D and D nerd. It's an interesting little mix. And uh, yeah, there. it's a really interesting perspective on it. Like, because he doesn't, he definitely doesn't argue for the satanic panic. And it's, re- right. it's a really interesting perspective. So I would encourage you guys to watch it. Uh, up last on Shudder and on Hulu, 
the Slumber Party Massacre remake of uh, 2022. I will tell you right now that this movie is neither good nor bad. It's unnecessary. I'll go out on a limb and say that it's bad. I don't think I didn't really enjoy I mean, this movie all that. Much. I think I wanted to love this movie. I get, but I, I think that's original. why you're saying it's bad because you wanted to love it and you didn't. Yeah. So like it's, you know what I mean? Like there are movies that I will tell you, maybe full on are terrible so. films. Yeah. This is not one of them. But I'm also not going to tell you that it's great or that it's even necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason it's even on streaming picks is because it exists, right? Like because it's a <laughs> because well because it is yeah. such a, a it's a remake of such a tentpole horror property. Uh, and there are some decent kills in it, but it's like, a, it, is it a? Ten, I mean, I think it's tentpole maybe in the horror community, but it's one of those movies that outside the horror community, I, a lot of people would maybe even haven't heard of it. Yeah, or they, or they just loop, they lump it in with every other such and such massacre slasher they, film from the eighties, Sleepaway 80s. Camp, or like Sorority House, Sorority Massacre. House, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They lump exactly. it in, you know, and they, what, I think what a lot of people don't realize Which is this, this was the first, like the original. Slumber Party Massacre was the first one of that yeah. subgenre. So yeah, check if you feel like it. Check if you out feel Slumber like Party it. Massacre on Shutter Hulu. We definitely wouldn't tell you what to do. Uh, up next, the trailer of the week. Big Shark. Big Shark. Tommy Wiseau's shark movie. Yo, I'm here for that. I, I don't know if any of you guys remember the band Cold Chamber from back in the day. They had a song called Big Truck. And I think I think it was Rob. Somebody in the Discord brought this up. That And that now that I see Big Shark, all I can think about is... That song with those lyrics. If he, <laughs> if this movie doesn't contain the line, oh, hi, shark. This movie is from the mind of the visionary filmmaker creator of The Room. None other than Tommy Wiseau. Is he a madman? Is he a genius? Is he a nebulous, nebulously European Did he make his money off of man. some sort of vague leather jacket scheme? I don't know. Or, or in some sort of in some sort of Eastern European mob thing. Nobody we knows. We don't know. Nobody knows. It could be Europe, could be South but we America. Know he we don't know where he's from. We know he fucking loves cinema. Yes. We know that much. We know that the man loves what he does. And I know we've been we've been on this like we've been sharing a lot of shark movies lately. There's there's just been a lot I of think shark it's a, movies. It's lately. like immersion therapy for Jordan. I think honestly, like, I, I gotta work like, through it. I don't even watch most of them. I don't even like most. Yeah, of them. same reason. I was gonna ignore this one entirely until I saw that Tommy Wiseau was making it, and I was like, put this motherfucker at the top of my priority <laughs> yep. list. Honestly, this movie doesn't look any better or worse than any other uh, giant trash shark movies coming or out. any other Tommy Wiseau movie. And uh, and there's a strange amount of boxing in this film. Yeah, About it, half of the trailer is boxing footage. Uh, yeah, there's a weird amount of boxing in this. So the implication here to me. Uh, as a viewer, is that someone is going to box a shark in this movie. Or, and if that doesn't happen, now I'm disappointed. Or, like, the only thing that they've done for this movie, they have done so far for this movie, is the boxing scene, shot the boxing some drone thing. shots, and one, like, three-second clip of a CGI shark. And, like, I feel like uh, we so ran out of money. Hey, hey, three three D big shark, okay? It's true. It's not it's like big, a normal it size big shark. shark. It's big. It's a big shark. It is big so watch shark. the trailer of that up on the X-Files of our website, where you can also find our streaming picks and a whole bunch of other good stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's about time to unwind a little bit, <sighs> kick back, crack open some sort of weird alcoholic Mountain Dew. So I will just tell you guys. what. Ha- so in the middle of this of recording this episode, I had been hitting my weed vape, and I was also hitting my nicotine vape. And I get a Dude, call. Double fist and I get a call from the front desk, and the lady's like, "Hey, uh, we uh, we have a report that the fire alarm is going off in your in your room, or the smoke alarm is going off in your room. Every everything cool?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yep." And she was like, "Are you like? Did you maybe like take a shower with the door open?" And I was like, "Nope." 
Nope, she was nothing like, going on. Ghosts, probably. And I mean, I was high as fuck, so I had no idea what to say to this woman. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I, she was like, all right, well, I guess it's just a glitch. It'll probably go off and hung up. She's a goddamn stone. And I really wanted to go walk down to the desk and be like, listen, I didn't know that I couldn't vape in my room. And dude, Scott from Horror Movie Night was like, do not do that. Do not do that. He's like, do not admit fault. And you know what doesn't set off fire alarms? Alcoholic Mountain Dew. That's what. So anyway, here's our unhinged conversation with the Horror Movie Night guys on the ultimate all-time horror classic, Dead Alive. <laughs> Welcome back, kids. It's JB. And I'm Jordan. And we got a whole host of guests, and we're sitting in the middle of a hotel room in, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Tonight, we're joined by the guys from Horror Movie Night Podcast. We've got Matt Kelly. Hey, hey. We've got Kyle. No pants. And we've got Scott, who we, who I, Scott and I met today in person for the first time and it was, hugged it was immediately. good stuff. Yeah, That's it magic. was good stuff. It was, it it was a very nice hug. Yeah, and we, we tend to always hang out on Creature Feature. This is the first time we've, like... Been in a hotel room with you guys, yeah. true. Yeah. Intimately, it's true. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We know you, but we don't know you biblically. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> we just finished doing a uh, a live episode of their podcast, which got incredibly heated. Well, yeah, and we it was, like, I mean, there's no way to my like, other co-host almost fist fought you over an opinion. That's not a fist fight. That was a wrestling move. I feel like he pivoted from being angry at me to being angry at the entire room, yeah. and I was so happy. I was like, <laughs> "All right, cool. I'm just gonna slink back here." Not that was a, that was a else. therapy move that he yeah, learned. He that was, was a coping mechanism. Like, you know he attack was like, "I'm not angry at JB. I'm angry at the world." Attack the group. Yes. Attack the group. Yes, absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. No, we had, dude. I had, I had a blast. We were also joined by the Jersey Ghouls. Marissa and Jackie and Dylan from Christmas 365, yeah. right? Yeah. Where they talk about Christmas all the time. Oh None of the time. Oh, the was that your time. idea, Matt? Was that, was that of your? Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you want to know the story of where that came from, yeah, in all you, honesty? Yeah, I do. So I, there's this podcast that I absolutely love called The Gilmore Guys. And what, I, yeah. and what I loved about the podcast was that it was a very funny and fairly vulgar podcast about something as wholesome as Gilmore Girls, and there was something <laughs> so charming about I'm gonna it. I'm going to stop you. You had me at Gilmore Guys. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Like, I fucking it's, love that show. It's the Gil Guys girls. I was, like, listening to them driving home from my brother's wedding. I was like, I would love to do a show like this, where, like, the audience is, like, this established fan of this very like wholesome thing yeah. but they can get ridiculous in like a live setting and be weird and gross and i'm like what's something that's like that wholesome like that untouchably wholesome and that was like christmas and i had met dylan at some horror conventions and i'm like that dude's got a dark fucking sense of humor but that motherfucker loves christmas like every time i've seen him his house has a christmas tree up all year round he never takes it down wow i'm never going to visit wow <laughs> yes right I hear that and I'm like serial killer. Yeah. Just yeah. immediately. Yeah, that's someone who's and too busy like, murdering and dismembering bodies. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter that the tree died a decade ago and yeah. that it's just you know, it's some still deep there from Nosferatu shit. Like, right yeah, there, it's a right? fire hazard, but it's festive as hell. But the thing is, <laughs> my friend gave me this piece of advice, and I feel like it's applied to almost every single podcast I've done, including Horror Movie Night. Was he was like, "Hey, man, there's riches and niches, baby," and like finding those like niche, those niche audience. We're still shows, fucking poor, man. That's yeah. it. I know. <laughs> Fuck it, JB. We're a Christmas podcast yes. now. But it. Fuck that. We're a sublime appreciation. <laughs> exactly. Only there you go. 40s and fucking shit up though. But like, here's the thing: you find those. So like, the amount of people who I admire in like comedy, 
Like I'm yeah. a big comedy yeah. guy. The amount of comedy people that I've gotten to have on a podcast because I do a podcast about Weird Al Yankovic that like they never get to share that love on most things. Mm. So like we've got to have like Paul Shear on our show. We've got to have like what? all these cool people. Just because they're like, shit, I fucking love Weird Al Yankovic. I never get to talk about that. Like, well, shit, I haven't taken my Christmas tree down for years. <laughs> you know, like, you just find. Do I got a show for you? <laughs> That's, don't you quote Veggie Tales in this house. <laughs> God bless. God bless. Also, I don't get the dentist from Always Sunny because of I don't. Of course you don't. I don't want You wouldn't be show. Dennis if you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Ooh. true fact. The most Dennis thing he could say is, I don't even watch that show. Yeah, I've never I even seen that show. I don't watch that show. I'm sure you're you don't. so Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> that's so Dennis of you. Well, so we're here tonight to talk about Dead Alive. But yeah. Oh, we're talking about Dead Alive. Yeah, that's yeah. what that is. Oh, what, dead oh did alive. we not tell you? I thought it was vegetarian. <laughs> Oh, you were supposed to have gotten a memo, but I think we went ahead and did not send that. Yep. So That's instead, uh, we're just tell you right now, we're talking about Dead Alive. Well, because Good thing Jordan, I watched it recently. Jordan and I are hosting the Tim Baum, the, the star of yes. Dead Alive. Tim Baum played Lionel. We're hosting his Q&A tomorrow, so we wanted to do an episode with that fresh in Yeah, so minds. everybody yeah. in the camp fam has all like rewatched this movie in the yeah. past like few days, so it's fresh. I literally like had to buy a German of import yeah. of it on D- on Blu-ray. A German import? How was that? Uh, uh, it's weird that because the, the 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 natural language that it's in is German, and you have to choose English to get like the actual English soundtrack for it. But wait, so is it like? You're you're seeing their mouths move in English. So yes. it's just yeah, fine. but it's like the German <laughs> dub is well, they're New Zealish mouths. mouths. New Zealish mouths. New Zealish. Yeah, that's I like it feels good. Sure. I'm gonna say that's real. It feels really good in your mouth. Yeah, it does. Horror movie night, guys. When was the last time you seen Dead Alive? What two months ago? Two months ago we okay, did an episode okay, of it pretty recently, yeah. Oh, that's actually good. I we watched didn't... it like I watched it like three weeks ago at the most. That's good considering we didn't send well, out so, the memo. Well, but how many how long before this most recent viewing? How would it have been? Because for Good me, question. it was oh, yeah. like, I mean, it was like probably a decade. Like it was yeah. probably yeah, it was it was at least 10, for me, 15 it was probably years 15 years. Yeah. 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 The last time before this time that I watched it, Greg, again, that you might know from our show, and I, he was still in college and I was at his apartment. It was like 3.30 in the morning and his boy Brandon came over with a whole bunch of LSD. There it is. I mean, a whole bunch. <laughs> and I, <laughs> there we it each is. ate like, like <laughs> seven or eight tabs of acid and then watched it. He watched it for the first time ever. Oh, man. And, I'm going to tell you something. Dead Alive hits different on acid. (laughs) (laughs) It's not better or worse or scarier or less scary. It's just different. I'm I'm going to let you in on something, though. Everything hits different. Yeah, on LSD. It's true. That's Word the thing the about LSD. It sneaks up on you. And then you're I think on it's in the name all of a sudden. <laughs> I well, think I, that's what the LSD is. I think we, so when we did our episode about it, the thing that we said was like, I think Dead Alive kind of weirdly just became this casualty of zombie fatigue where yeah. I was like, I was done with anything zombie, even the films that brought me so much joy. Dude, I got there at a point too. I feel like, yeah, yeah a lot of us probably yeah. got there. And I, thanks, Walking Dead. Yeah. Walking yeah. Dead did it. Walking Let's be Dead honest. really. Like, well, I think Walking Dead it. was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. I would say that, like, if you say the remake of Dawn of the Dead, I'm going. No, I'm I actually like that. that. I, I, oh, I could. Yeah. I don't I like Zack Snyder films, but I do actually like Ooh, Dawn of the Dead yeah. 2004. Um, so it's very specific for me and Matt and I have had this conversation many times because we've been podcasting together for a decade. Um, the Battery. That was when I was yeah. so so sick of it, and I. And you liked disliked. That movie. I disliked it the first time I watched it because of that. And then when I went and rewatched, I'm like, you know what? I actually, I like what this movie's saying. I think that the battery in an hour and a half says more of what The Walking Dead has been trying to say for twelve seasons. Yeah, just like it's it, just, just like, that it doesn't end. That, that it doesn't That's end, and it's like, but I, but I think that the difference is like something like the battery. 
does kind of present similar to like my my buddy Eric who who wrote that book All That's Left in the World like the battery I think presents something that is way more uh compelling to me which is just like this is just everyone's way of life and that's like fine and they're just kind of living their life but that that's way. not good cinema it's it doesn't make great cinema you sometimes. know what it makes <laughs> it makes really it makes really good graphic novels and yes. terrible cinema but walking dead it's so much more about like oh we're still trying to fight for like our dom like i don't well, ca- and again, i don't care about the fight even for the, the walking I'm, dead formula makes really good graphic novels and really good comics and terrible but everything should have an end is what i think that's and the problem hitting, and we're hitting on a point that i want to make about Dead Alive. That the great one of the great things about Dead Alive is it's such a contained story. Yeah, it's it also has a yeah. very definitive point A, very dependent, very definitive are, point there's C. There's no more gotcha at the end. Like oh, no. yep. those yeah, they just, get, I'm gonna yes, walk through I this crowd that. of yeah, zombies they don't, with they a don't. fucking lawnmower, and we're done. Yeah. <laughs> and and th- I I was talking about that on our episode. Is I think that it's because it's magic. It's not viral. Yes, and yeah. so like yeah. to uh, they, you can get blood and guts is in it, your mouth. Is it? Is it magic though? It has like, to be magic. It starts with the Zingaya bite. I right, but the bite or being murdered by a zombie is a magical curse. Right, he means fair. more yeah. so like think it's of It's not think viral. Of, yeah, think of like 28 days later where a single drop of blood falls into someone's Think about how much like, blood no, everybody zombie. gets in their mouths. I think that there's something to be said about how we're going to truly ingest zombie movies now. I think that like <laughs> and, I, and like you guys have been talking and I've been thinking about it uh visually as like you blow the biggest bubble you can. Right out of the wand, and that's where all this first wave Are you a dad? zombie stuff. Because you sound like a dad. <laughs> no, I do. I, yes, and this is what this is. Kyle and yes. I may or may not have smoked a joint on the way over. Was it made out of the baby from Dead Alive? Yes. <laughs> but then it's like, and that filled us with like, oh, like we were overwhelmed with that many zombie movies. Then like literally COVID happened and is happening, and then like we can re. I feel like we can revisit. A lot of those movies. Do we with, want to? Because we're we've lived through the. I mean, like that's well, basically I think we want to the pandemic. When it hit, yeah. was basically my worst fucking nightmare. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, like yeah. because remember when Ebola? Everybody's talking about Ebola in like '95 mm-hmm. or whatever. It so was. let's be real. Yeah, George and I live in Frederick, Maryland, which is where Hot Zone, the book, yeah. and yes. and what was the movie with Dustin Hoffman? Outbreak. 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 Yeah, are based that fort. Dude. Fort, oh, Dietrich, Fort Dietrich, that's a man. real story that happened there. Like, yeah, well, and what was, so in 2014 or 15, I want to say, um, there was this stupid fucking woman who got Ebola and came back to Akron, where I live, and went wedding dress shopping. And I was like, I turned to my wife and I'm like, this is it. Literally, this is the culmination of my entire life's fear. Yeah. And little did I know it wasn't going to be Ebola. That was going to be the pandemic that, that you know, like, fucked the world up. Um, it was going to be something, you know, much more insidious. But um, Surprise. Yeah. It, 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 the, the writers yeah. for this season have been real good. But <laughs> I, so living through it, I don't particularly want to... I don't like virus movies. No. I don't... I, 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 you know, like, if you're going to have something that's insidious like that i'm gonna want to watch the thing well you know yeah, because yeah. that's self well and it's in its funny because way. before the pandemic happened that was a legitimate jo- subgenre of horror that people were really into and then when we were presented with the reality of that it was like oh no this is not this is mm-mm, i don't want this but this so is think- why i think that there's going to be a like a resurgence for not those types of zombie movies, it's but like like de- something like Dead Alive is going to have another, especially because they're going to put out this 
eventual 4K restoration of it, which is going to exist. So it'll be more accessible. Of You're talking about like the, the closed, like the book-ended version yes. of that story. Well, yes. You yes. also yeah. mean so, the goofier uh, version, because maybe we need to like have something we can laugh dude, at. And that's the thing. That's yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. That one of the things that makes Dead Alive work in that yes. book-ended it's a standout. For, uh, format is that it's goofy. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. goofy as hell. Yes. And it doesn't it also have has, like a big social statement about its like pandemic nature to make. No, it's, right. well, it's more I mean, out to just gross you out and well, like show I mean, you a good time. And there's the there's the whole like pretty pretty in your face theme about Lionel's relationship with his mom throughout yeah. it. Sure, and oh, you yeah. could argue sure. that that's really the statement that Peter Jackson was trying. By the way, sure. I don't think we mentioned this movie was made in 1992 by the one and only Peter Jackson, the same guy that Heard made of Lord of the Rings. Made this. This was actually <laughs> I looked this up. This was Weta Workshop's first project as Weta Workshop. Oh, okay. Wow. Like this is the yeah. first thing they did is well, think about the practical in this movie and how good it is for yeah. what it is. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. That's 100 percent Weta. It also mm-hmm. that that forced perspective. Of the baby uh, going up the stairs. Yep. Blew my mind watching it as an Well, adult. and, and, and you know, this movie literally culminates with Lionel fighting his way back out of his mother's giant zombified vagina. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, like, you know, that's a pretty slap-you-in-the-face-with-meat-curtain statement. Right. <laughs> you heard it on You're Camp welcome. Nightmare, not horror movie. <laughs> we didn't say that shit. It's like the views of Camp Nightmare do not necessarily reflect the views of horror movies. Yeah, but they're here, and they are guilty by association. It's like, it's like, dude, I used to do this thing when I was in Bible college where I would go up to people Wait, random. Bible college? Yeah. It's a whole thing. I would go up to people it? at random in my Bible what? college and be like, high five. And right as I connected, I'd be like, for kitty porn. Ha, can't take it back. <laughs> and then just like Did run you away. Did you edgy motherfucker? No, I got And spelled. that's why he had no friends at Bible college. <laughs> Actually, I thought that no one had friends at Bible college because you're just literally trying to save everybody's soul and nobody likes you. Yeah, that's we'll actually also see. true. So everybody Even knows those who had friends. So. Well, no, Scott, when you don't have friends in Bible camp, that's when Jesus is carrying you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, that, that, when, it was ju- when it was just a single set of footprints. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, true story. When I was like 13 in my private Christian school, I had a copy of that poem. My mom had one. The feet in the sand poem. Everyone had that. And I tried. I was trying to like lay lay the mac on this girl that was in my class via the phone because we used to talk on the phone back in the nineties. Yeah. And I read that poem and was like, I wrote that. And she was like, <laughs> Did she? No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, No, 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 baby, I wrote that. And she was like, I literally have that poster on my wall. And you didn't write that. And I was like, Like, yeah, you so you bought I. it from my my shop, my store. Yes, I own Walmart. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Walton. So here's a real question, though. Do you think we could ever get back to a point where you could make a movie like that alive? Do you think in our lifetime you can you can get past the ep- the pandemic element of a story like this and just make something so stupid that has that doesn't re- doesn't put focus on the pandemic element? Like the well, focus of this is motherhood. And like, and I was gonna like, say Terrifier too, with actual humor, is this movie? Yeah. Well, yes, yes, and, but that that story has nothing to do with. A pandemic. I, see but you, I think you're asking about we the gross-out like nature of the movie, though, right? I see, do you mean like a, a zombie apocalyptic movie, a pan, event, a apocalyptic zombie movie. event movie that's goofy and not like right? Because so little, so little focus in this movie. Yeah, this is movie on, like, never feels apocalyptic. Never. Right. It feels yeah. very contained. It feels like yeah. this is happening. Even in when there are community. like twenty zombies, I true. Don't, they're just coming at the house. They're not going I'm, away from the house. Like I'm kind of surprised that it because we are the divide between like high budget. Studio horror and independent horror is making us have to be like you know single locations like very mi- like you oh, know yeah. I'm so su- I'm actually surprised or maybe I haven't seen well, it I was and say, it's out there. The but... other thing is that it could already exist and just none of the people yes. in this room have seen it because it's played at some like nobody movie f- like film Absolutely. festival and in maybe, Nebraska. Maybe you know? Are you trying to say like... that we don't have our finger inside? No. 
the the zombie this, pulse. So so what I'm gonna say is <laughs> like a, there's a zombie pulse. There's a decent amount of us who have been to film festivals. Yeah. Right. We know that there are people that exist like Anthony Cousins who creates these fucking wild gory Wait, is that the- every time i eat ice cream my your whole I've fucking I've been waiting face for 5 plus yeah. years to see that movie no, but I there's know. people who I make know. these fucking weird strange gory bizarre funny movies i'm sure that there is someone whose short film i've seen at like fantastic fest is already halfway through shooting his homage to Dental. I would like, argue that maybe Psycho saying. Gorman is the is the closest we've come to that sort of like goofy Tone. contained yeah. story With that's super like high also hyper violent. Walking Dead really sort of kneecapped the zombie genre for a while because if it wasn't dark and gritty and have an ambient soundtrack, like well, I mean, how do you look at that theme? differently now as a culture who's gone through what we've been through like can you really tell a lighthearted zombie story again yeah i, I mean, feel that's like that's the question. only way forward i mean i, I would argue that the... like fido and oh, so good. what was that movie with that Nick, pretty... nicholas holt where he was a zombie right. that got oh, brought... warm bodies yeah that was terrible oh, yeah. he was brought back yeah, to yeah, life yeah. by the power of this isn't like life after beth isn't she a zombie yeah, yeah. Aubrey yeah. Plaza? and that movie is yeah. fucking brilliant yeah. i haven't seen it it's on my Aubrey plaza can do no wrong no i love her uh, what the hell am I about to drink here? It's a hard, it's sort of, <laughs> it's, it's a hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> it's like some sort of Mountain Dew with alcohol. It's, just to handed. be clear, Kyle is laughing the way he is because he is fucking ripped off these already. <laughs> yeah, I've had three. Like, when we I'm so excited for you to have one. Holy shit, up, you have three? We showed up the whole movie yeah. night taping before we started. Kyle looked at me and I was like, bro, I'm real stoned. And Kyle was like, it's cool. I'm drunk as hell. <laughs> I smelled it on somebody during our live episode. I didn't realize it was you and you were sitting baby. right next to me. It's me. It's daddy. <laughs> yeah, now all of a sudden I got a 5% Mountain Dew in my hands. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Uh, it's, um, oh, it's the watermelon one. It's fine. Oh, it's watermelon. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. The gen- I'll tell you what's going on. Millennials <laughs> needed a win. All right. And hard we Mount- finally did and it. hard Mountain Dew is it. We yeah, made America you know, great. You know what I appreciate about Mountain Dew? They just fucking leaned into literally, it. Literally, yeah. literally, society was like, "We're not going to give you a living wage, but we will give you hard Mountain Dew." They're like, "We're going for loco." This is so much. Oh, this this will make you feel worse than for loco in different ways. Oh. Yeah, um, and less drunk. I have, I have very positive <laughs> so slash negative memories. Yes, of four loco. so so for loco. Did you have the OG when it had the caffeine in it too? Yes. Yeah. That's so, the, where the memories come yeah. from. The, yeah. The stomach ache is similar, mm, but this has it. zero sugar, so it's the 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 sorbitol that's gonna fuck oh, up your stomach. All the stomach with no, none of the guilt. Yeah, <laughs> there it exactly. is. <laughs> I mean, all of the guilt. That's what I needed. Yes, yeah. It's um, healthy. This is healthy, is what this you're saying. Is, that is literally water. Get, yeah, some taco, literally get, some, get some Taco Bell. Get some cinnamon twists and the Ooh, cheesy man, gordita cinnamon crunch. Cinnamon twists from Taco Bell. Crack is open one of those you need to stop talking about it because Matt will absolutely DoorDash Taco Bell at me. No. He already did. He already no, DoorDashed already, once today. Spent, he can't do it again. Yeah, I spent way too much money on sheets. I'm not. I'm not Ooh. doing that again. Hey, that man, was... when you're out in Gettysburg at Creature Feature Weekend, there's yeah. not a lot when of in, options. When in Rome, man. <laughs> when, in Rome, <laughs> when in Rome, you order sheets at midnight. That's what happened. It brings me back to the days of Four Loco. I used to tour with this band, and we would- What was the band before, called? Uh, the band's Time Columns is the name of the band. Okay. Uh, it was like instrumental, like prog music, basically. Okay. And we, we would bring this case. At the point at the point we played those specific tours, we were a two-piece, and we would bring- a case of Four Locos with us, and they Ooh, were like oh currency. My Lord. Oh, it was yeah. like currency yes. on the road. Wait, was we this would... like 2009? Uh, yeah, actually, that was about the time. Were you Fuck trading yeah. with hobos? And you so, like, like, give well, me your bindle, yes, bro. How would, many Four we, Locos you got? We were in a strange town. It's only full town. of spiders. <laughs> You've never been to a risk. Toledo, Ohio before, and like you know, someone puts you up Ooh. in their living room, and you're like, "Thank you, sir. Here I bestow upon thee 
a four loco. Original recipe. Original recipe. Look at, extra look at the glow of the yellow can. It's yeah. radioactive. <laughs> it's and fucking... this is how we used to do it back in the day. That was <laughs> that my was regular. an original four loco. And Chipotle would give you free food. So the first, time, point the first time I ever had a four loco, I was at a field party. Of course, in Damascus, that, Maryland, that's another appropriate By the way, place. field parties, that's a privilege. W- what is that? A field party? Enjoy. It's a party, but in a field. Yeah, the that's, a, that's the whitest thing fancy you've said. Yeah, that's every okay. party in wait, Ohio. Wait, you know that scene in uh, Freddy vs. Jason where they're in a field and they're getting fucked that's up and everyone party. gets... That's a field party. That's I just party. like the fact that you guys have named it. Or is this is this a Maryland it's thing? Like it's, this is how it goes. it's a redneck yeah, it's thing. Of, Let's call it what it is. Listen. All you need is a bonfire, a whole bunch of alcohol, and a bunch of white people. Yeah. yeah. A, a truck or two. And a truck You're or basically two. talking it's about field my party. entire high school experience. Yeah. And I didn't even drink. So the first wow. time I ever had a Four Loco was, I didn't really know what it was. Someone just handed it to me, and I, I took a sip, and it was delicious. So I chugged it. <laughs> and then I chugged like two or three more of them. At least it tasted uh, and good. And then I, like, linear time stopped yep. making any sort of sense. And mm-hmm. uh, holy hell. Like, yeah. whose idea was it to combine alcohol and it straight-up amphetamines? And see, like, that's the thing. Everyone has the same. It's always tastes delicious in the beginning. And then, like, a month later, don't. you're like, this is vile. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's a not good flavor. I actually would say that the Hard Mountain Dews are a better flavor they're, profile, yeah, but they're still... I mean, at least with Four Loco, you... At least, I don't know. Four local. I love that you guys are talking bad. about flavor It feels like um, Manischewitz. Or it uh, feels like here to talk about zombie movies. Uh, <laughs> and I'm We're sorry. talking about multiple colored <laughs> yeah. liquids. It's going to come back to Dead Alive. I'm sorry that the conversation with it. Let's just say that Four Loco crawled so that Mountain Dew could run. Yeah, run. run. You're going to have some running later. I promise that's right, So I think what we're landing at is to answer your question. Yeah, what the uh, hell is the, the next Dead Alive, it yeah, won't be yes, a rat yeah, monkey. Yeah, yeah. It will be... a a hard Mountain Dew that intakes. Wait, that wait, didn't it takes be... over an entire dorm? It's like a zombie dorm movie. Yeah, dude, a zombie dorm movie could be huge. So, Jordan, I, what I want, I do want to add something about why I think the Dead Alive is yeah. still great, yeah, whereas yeah. I don't think that most, uh, even the Snyder remake of Dawn is mm-hmm. kind of a, a hard watch because all the shit that's fucking boring in a horror movie is not present in Dead Alive. There isn't the whole, like, we're stuck in one room and we have to argue, and there's, like, oh, someone's accidentally bitten and we they're hiding it. Like, all that stupid trope is not... Like, and that's everyone what's so just funny is accepts they... information instantaneously. It's yeah. like, all right, this is... Hell. Not only that, but it's almost like certain characters have just been waiting for this, like the pastor, he's just been waiting for this moment. And, yeah, and the, the, the Nazi up. vet. Like the veterinarian guy, dude. It feels like a sketch comedy show with like a through line. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, like that's all that's New, like, New Zealand. Dude, is. listen, yeah. like British and British colony humor hits different. Yeah, it, like, it does. It does. You don't even it's... have to be on LSD for it. No, yeah. and it's literally like, <laughs> but it, it, it is hurt. like a roller coaster where like you brought something up way earlier that like last time I watched a movie, it's all I could think about, which is like, what are the rules for like how this whole fucking thing works? Like, if uh, clearly you get bit. You get infected, or if but you like you can spray blood everywhere. It's clearly getting in people's mouths, in their yeah, eyes, whatever, everywhere. But they don't get infected. So like, there's some line, yeah. there. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. I, I, th- this shit, is and I don't horror know hot takes. I should have done this as a horror hot take. That is a magical van- a zombie instead of a, instead of a. This fast act. Zombie. This did make me think of a, a potential. It wasn't a hot take, but it was more of a question about like what is the sort of like 
the alternate genre thing that you like most, like fast zombies. Like that's an alternate genre thing. Like this, yeah. this being a curse. Why is that an alternate genre? Like who made the decision that zombies are slow and that fast zombies are an alter or an alternative to that? Well, I think that actually the, the original idea the way that a body deteriorates, Rika Mortis. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys are gonna make fucking science. <laughs> I guess science. Yeah, yeah. you guys yeah. want to get a little bit sociology here. Um. I read a lot in college, like later on in college. I didn't do like any sort of capstone project about it, but I've read everything I could, you know, in 2003 and 2004 about the concept of the zombie and where it originally came from. Because like it's more about voodoo and it's 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 mind control. It's not a dead body. We're, what we're looking at now are revenants, or we're looking at you know like. Ghouls and things like that, but like an actual zombie doesn't eat human flesh. They they walk slowly because they are drugged. Because like in in like you know, the rainbow. Voodoo, it's it's it, yes exactly. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, and Romero went on record saying that he because Romero's really where that turned right yeah, where people the started calling made, flesh yeah. eaters zombies. And Romero went on record many times saying like I never called them zombies. I literally called them ghouls. And my fan base was like, nope, zombies. For yeah. like seemingly an arbitrary reason, so yeah, gonna, arbitrary um, or ignorant, because we're talking the voodoo zombie came even before that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. white yeah. zombie was what like fifty three or something yeah. like that. The and concept like, of the zombie has existed in the Caribbean for like hundreds. Yeah. Right, of but I mean, exactly being you know like Americanized, brought to American cinema. Would I I think be white zombie would be the yeah. problem? And that's yeah. like nineteen thirty one. Oh, like, oh, that's, that's in the thirties. Holy, it's yeah. like yeah. it's oh, yeah. early Bela Lugosi. And then I walked with a zombie would be Val Lutens, and then like between those two, nothing of. Prominence, really, and I think that they were really like, talking about more traditional exactly, monsters at the time, yeah, like yes. werewolves and vampires, and and you know Frankenstein's monsters and things like that. Right. Um, but then, yeah, so like Night of the Living Dead comes out at '68. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. and I think that since it was like a phenomenon, that it that was the paradigm shift where it was like, okay. This is what a zombie is now, and well, they it was were black like and white, way. and they walked slow. So they were like the only point of reference was old zombies. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, that, that's the through line that makes total sense. But then we get into later on in the um, the Romero Dead um, trilogy. I mean, I know it became more than a trilogy, but you were in that, and um, it, it's basically like in the seventies we have so many flesh eaters that are literally just zombies and and the idea of a zombie never progressed until i would argue uh, i mean in dead alive they they are some of them move more quickly but i really do think that 28 days later yeah. when they're called infected yeah. so that's 2003 and that's another and that's, and again, that's an that's an early movie where they danny boyle made a huge point to not call them zombies yep. and to say these are not zombies. They're infected. There was an inf- they're yeah. infected, and they but that's made, what he made want. a big they deal out of that. Fast, yeah. quote unquote zombie. Well, and, and that's where we're, that's where we were for a long did time. Twenty eight days come before or after Snyder's remake of Dawn. Before it came a, at least a year, if not two years. Yeah. Before okay. it was two thousand three versus two thousand four. I, like, I want to say the big. I remember like I was in. I was just out of college when the remake of Dawn came out in two thousand four, and I remember horror nerds going fucking nuts that zombies were fast in this and it was like well that makes but if you watch they get slow as time progresses in that film like as True, time yeah, yeah, on, the zombies the, get slower the, and snyder's whole point was yeah, that like, a fresh hurt. zombie is still going to have full control of its muscles and come after you faster ironically he changed the exact opposite into when he did um uh army of the army. dead because those are not i i would argue that those are not um viral monsters i think that they have to be some sort of curse because mm. there is like a hierarchy there like are the, basically yeah. the same way that like the mummy 
like horde yes, of if like, there's a new intelligence in, instilled in like the body, right? Yeah, that's yeah. an I alien mean, intelligence. That movie is absolute garbage. I mean, I, I, it's that it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be silly, stupid. But plot, like, but. and I think there's actually evidence in the plot of Dead Alive to support the magical curse thing. Because let's like, yeah. let's really look in at the first fucking five minutes of this movie where they're in clearly New Zealand, where but wherever, <laughs> but it's wherever supposed to be, this it's supposed island, to be like a weird tropical, yeah, island. some whatever island they're in. And like they're getting chased down by a tribe of living humans who clearly coexist with this monkey that has the bite. But even when they catch, they they have the monkey in this like wooden uh, bamboo cage thing, and they're like, just release it, release this thing, and they don't want to kill it. So they clearly have a relationship with this sure. thing. So I think curse is like right on. I hadn't really thought about the fact that 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 it might be a symbiotic relationship with the native they peoples that like they kind of worship this concept of being undead maybe or but I really thought about that because their fear isn't like that this thing is alive and it's gonna bite us they don't say kill it they're like let this fucking thing go well, yeah like if it you could, let it roam free it's not gonna kill yeah. us yeah well like le- if we're gonna lean into the fact that this could be magical like let's just say the sky's the limit there. Maybe the powers don't work on that particular fucking island <laughs> where there's just. What if it only works on white people? Oh, there it is. I yep. mean, white man's burden, bro. Yeah. <laughs> white, white. And we have a lot of burden. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Fucking call in John Travolta. All right, this is a white man's burden scenario. That's true. That's true. That was a that was a reference to the '90s film White Man's Burden, starring Mr. John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to read the IMDb credits? No, I would not. Who's who's the first to get bit, Mister Mister White Person? The, Mr. Yeah, the guy who shows up like literally ten minutes later. The guy is a trying character. to take the monkey off the island, Mister Mister Museum. Mister, mm. no respect. Oh, no respect to the white man. <laughs> he goes he goes full ugly American. Too. Oh, he does. Like, he starts well, like, he does. Sh- shining his his paperwork. Like, well, yeah. uh, permit we just, he, he's, permit. I mean, yeah, he's New Zealand, but it, he has New Zealish. But he is—he yeah. has an American accent, which is paperwork. But like, he's supposed to be a Brit. He is not supposed to be American. Ah, yeah, true. I'm pretty sure everyone in that well, movie was a Kiwi. Yeah, like, oh, literally yeah. everyone. Do you think that Peter Jackson was like, here, I have the money to bring you to <laughs> New Zealand? <laughs> New Zealand is one of the most remote places in the world. And Oh, man. Yeah, I don't think they Can had an airport talk then? about, like, how much, like, Peter Jackson's over-the-top style in this movie that's just so fucking beautiful. This is, like, the king of the extreme dramatic close-up I mean, we, Oh, yeah. And movie. we talk about Evil Dead being this sort of, like, creative force a lot of times. Dude, like, yeah. c- like You mean cinematically? The, 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 the thing where they pull back and then they... Well, just like a, a lot of like lot techniques of that don't yeah. that aren't that are um, I don't know they're just not normal <laughs> techniques that you know like and but they're they're independently thought but Peter Jackson has even though I know Evil Dead Two had a budget too but like Peter Jackson and the work that he did on Dead Alive and how it mimics a lot of what Evil Dead Two did on a higher budget. And then he had so little and is in New Zealand. Like, it's just like he just is crazy. But shit. he also had the entire New Zealand government who loved. This well, concept. that's the thing is that like that's the beautiful thing sometimes about independent horror government. that's made internationally is that a lot of people are part of like a lotto or like, you know, there's either like a film lottery or like there's other factors involved. That's fucking crazy. So 
yes, he got all this money to do this batshit crazy thing, which we talked about on our episode. Did they want the to give a PG-13 rating to New Zealand? New Zealand loved New Zealand. it. What? <laughs> yeah, New Zealand was oh like, my. no one's going to take this seriously. This is a PG-13 movie. There is <laughs> like, not this narrative. Did you see the soup? So. It's horrible. That's, a, that's an X rating. I don't want to see the soup <laughs> he again. He can't stand the custard. I can't do the no, custard. No, I get it, dude. I get it. It's you know what it's the only thing that I can compare Don't to. Don't gross it, me out, please. The only thing I can compare to it is the scene in Return of the King where Denethor is eating tomatoes yes. while he remember he makes nobody's Lord of the Rings fan. Okay. I haven't watched Return of the King. Oh, you know, oh, you know oh, what? Yeah, you haven't seen Return of the King. I said in a hot minute. Where he's eating the tomatoes while he makes Mary sing a song or whatever, and it's just like nothing but like somebody put like a fucking shotgun mic on his mouth and you Fuck can hear no. all the chewing noises yeah, and like, not. And like now I won't it. see Return like, of the you King. Can literally see <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> Interesting. Both of those are Peter Jackson. But you can huh. see like the DNA of Peter Jackson in Lord of the oh, Rings Lord in this so movie. Yeah, you oh, can yeah. go all the way back to bad taste for that though. Do, yeah. Yes, true. And like the screenwriting team has remained the same since the beginning. Like the same screenwriting team who did the Meet the Feebles and this movie did Lord of the Rings. So it's, it's not bonkers. like it's not like Peter Jackson got classy yeah. and ditched all no. his people. But, but oh, it's no. like they all just like glowed up together, man. That's the thing I do like about both Peter Jackson and Sam Raimi, who I feel like are two directors that have such a similar definitely career track. Yeah. Is like one of my favorite moments in any superhero movie ever is Dr. Octopus coming to life in the second Spider-Man movie because Sam Raimi was just like, let's just evil dead it for like a minute and a half. Like, let's just have these... Oh, yeah, there's nothing but quick cuts. Yeah, like, I was like, this is... And I'm like, I love that these dudes, even if they never touch another horror movie, still, like, know what their, like, bread and butter roots are and found a way to put it in a mainstream movie. as recently as Multiverse of Madness, anybody... Like, I don't care whether or not you like Multiverse of Madness. There is so much Raimi DNA in that film. Yeah. And I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Like, Raimi single-handedly brought Marvel into the horror realm. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, he did that with Spider-Man 2 first. <laughs> like, again, I'm saying that operation sure. scene that is really Zaka, fucking Zaka. scary. The only argument I have to that is that Spider-Man 2 was not part of Marvel Studios. I know. So. I'm just... <laughs> Listen, but that's I, you don't know this about me, but I man, like a lot of people getting heroes. laid in this bedroom. Am I, right? <laughs> <laughs> I told you we got no pants on. I'm hard as a rock. Um, but well, that it, these are thin Raimi, walls, Kyle. Raimi knows what works. Like Raimi knows what has worked, and it doesn't matter whether it was in like an independent horror film or if it was in a fucking well, it's like, like Marvel I don't film. Even know. I think like, that like I feel like those guys like established a lot of what was used after that. Correct. That that's that's. Yes, you that's know? exactly it. He's like, he knows what works of... because he fucking kind of almost invented it or like built upon a, I mean, maybe a pre Dude, you could thing. look shot for shot, like things are recreated between like Evil Dead 1 and 2 and this movie where like, you know, whatever dramatic, crazy, borderline cheesy line the lead is about to deliver, the camera does this low angle sweep in up to a, like an extreme Dude, close of their face. In, a, in another world, this Listen, is going to sound absolutely crazy. This is a hot take I should have said. A hot take. Give it to me. The the first two Evil Dead movies, yeah. In there is a way that you could talk about those movies the exact same way that people talk about Citizen Kane, like Dude, when people talk about like yeah, Citizen Kane, like this like no, reinvented I, how filmmaking is yeah. and the types of Sam Raimi like, single handedly <clears throat> invented a lot of modern yeah. shooting <laughs> techniques that people still yes, use. Well, correct, because he had to. But yes. it's like it, they it, had it zero is the poor, money. It's like the poor man Citizen Kane because it's like, hey, you don't it have is. a steady cam, get a two by four and a couple guys. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you know, I would you argue don't have that a this lot thing. Of, Here's how Sam Raimi made it work for. This $15. is sort of tangential, but I would argue that a lot of like early Scorsese is yeah. is re reimagined Citizen Kane Dude, style shooting. This like, is why like I Mean love Street's fucking in, Taxi Driver. That's, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I not. love looking back at movies like Reservoir Dogs and looking yep. like with someone who clearly has like if you give them the no cap budget, you get like what we see as Tarantino now. We get, we but, get once upon a time in but Hollywood. You give this man a yeah. very capped budget, and he's still not. He's still going to deliver, you know, and he's still going to figure out a way around it. And they're going to. Dude, get I creative. saw the best Tarantino yeah. interview recently where they were asking him about whether or not he lets actors change their lines or ad lib at all, and hit dude. Without hesitating, he was like, fuck no. He was like, do you know how much time I spend writing? Yeah. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> and on the other side of that, I've seen interviews with like Brad Pitt uh, w- about working multiple times with Tarantino. And the same question. And the same question being like, hey, when you come in with the Tarantino script, what is the relationship between you know improv, acting, uh, taking chances, and the script? And he's like, nah, dude. It's like... It's like Shakespeare, where it's like you read it yep. and it and it works, and you hear it from the get go. And like, there's certain jobs where you bring that side of your acting, and you bring a little bit of yourself, and you fill in the gaps, and it works. But like, if you do that in a Tarantino movie, it actually detracts from like the singular track yeah. that this fucking train his di- is already his on. His dialogue you know? is a cohesive no element yeah. in all of his films, right? And like, Samuel Jackson has gone on record saying that like. The characters that he's played in Tarantino's film, Tarantino wrote them for him specifically, and no one else could deliver those lines. That it way. doesn't make him like a a better or a worse filmmaker, in my opinion. It just makes him him. That's an that's yes. an auteur thing. Like, but that I would so, I would like, argue that it yeah. being so unique and so exclusive to him, that yeah. style makes him a better and more elevated filmmaker because he has created a sure. the, he has created the Tarantino method. And I think yeah, he's also sure, like he's sure. he's. He's broken down like this gatekeeper side of things. What what people conceive as classy, what people consider like high class cinema, right now has Where been he's confused. Just like, Corpse Grinders is one of the ten greatest movies ever made. Like he'll just like say wild ass shit. Tarantino's like, not delivering Igmar Bergman and stuff like that. He's delivering fast food and he's delivering yeah. like violence. <laughs> like, and he's but he's delivering it so well that people like literally film critics are getting confused as to what they've previously considered high sure. art well, and if, what if is you read pop about culture. his life growing up, dude, he literally was like the proverbial latchkey kid yeah. that whose mom was single and dated a bunch of dudes, and those dudes, the only thing they have in common is they would take Tarantino to these uh, black exploitation and like grindhouse movies as a child. So like, when you see his work, you see someone who gr- just grew up loving cinema. He's never gone to film school, has no technical training, just grew up loving cinema. And the stuff he loved was fast food, in, yeah. from a cinematic standpoint, right? right? Yeah, he yeah. loved black exploitation movies. He loved action movies. He loved kung fu. But movies. But isn't that why we do podcasts about horror? Hell movies? yeah, dude! We, because we, we appreciate that. We yeah. feel yeah. with yes, like I've said that. it. I've said it before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. Like. A horror movie suddenly just becomes a thriller if the Academy Award wants to give it, yep. yeah, like, 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 or so. a drama. Yeah, you know what I mean. Silence like, it's the like, Lambs, looking at you. Yeah, like it's it's just like it's stuff like that where it's like, no, this stuff can be art and this stuff can be interesting. Or, like you said, it could just be fucking fast food. But that's it the thing. Here's one thing: we're we're shit talking fast food, and I understand that it is. Not necessarily the healthiest thing for you. But if you had Wendy's, it's delicious. Yeah. Well, the the analogy that we're talking about, we're discounting fast food as food science. Sure. And so we would be also discounting something like the kindred, you know, as as, as cheap or silly or, or less valid because it isn't high concept or whatever it's literally but it it still has that the science and thought behind what they're doing to make it good in its own way yeah no i think what it is is like i just i think we we just require honesty 
within oh, the yeah. within the realm that it is in. That is sure, the thing yeah. that I've well, said till my dying day. Yeah. Is like <clears throat> you give me you give me something like Sharknado, I kind of just go, okay, sure. Like uh-huh. you're making a bad movie to make a bad movie. Zombie. You give me an equally <laughs> yeah. yeah, you give me an equally dumb movie, but you can tell that the filmmaker believed in every ounce of their soul that they were making yeah. something special. And it, it it's why people gravitate towards a troll too. It's not just because it's a bad movie. It's a bad movie that someone really fucking believed in when they started filming it. House of a Thousand Corpses, man. How long did it take Rob Zombie to make that film and then get it distributed afterwards? And like, it's arguably not the best movie or horror movie ever made. But what you're saying is true about it. You that, can't like, deny that the man who out of made everything that movie he's loved made, what he I was think making. Rob Zombie like, believed the most in House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, yeah dude, I think a, a, an even better example might be where at Creature Feature right now with the Kyoto Brothers. Look at Killer Clowns from Outer yep. Space, Correct. dude. Yeah. This is such a movie. A sincere place. Exactly. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And this is what Vincent Prost has said on our show before too. There are no bad ideas. There's only bad execution. Yep. Right. Yeah. So as if you if you take your job seriously within the realm of your story if you're honest within the realm of your story it doesn't matter how asinine the fucking story is you just have to do it i'm gonna make a i'm gonna make a a wrestling analogy for for some reason but um oh man i listened to i said i had no pants on matt please be careful no i so i so i listened to the something to wrestle with bruce pritchard podcast which is of mixed quality but it's this old writer from wwe bruce pritchard and this guy who talks to him about like different Wait, things. Wait, you're telling me WWE was scripted? It was scripted, it turns out. You son of a bitch. This is worse than what I found they'll, out about Santa. They'll they'll literally be like, all right, let's talk about like Royal Rumble nineteen ninety five and he'll tell all the backstage shit that was going on, like why certain people won matches or whatever. Cocaine. But they always they always bring up like these characters like the Red Rooster. And he's like, You gave this dude this this ring name the Red Rooster, and like t- Let's be honest, you didn't like that guy and you were trying to make him fail. And the thing that Bruce Pritchard says every single time is he goes, if he was passionate about his job, he would have made the Red Rooster work. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like there's an element of truth to that where he's like, if you throw a bullshit character at someone and they don't care about their job or what they're doing for a living, then they'll be like, fuck this. I'm not yes. going to try. Yes, it's what, we, <laughs> it's, what, it's what we've said a million times about just acting, script, uh, re- script reads. It, you just have to commit, man. Yeah, like, just give this a is, shit. This is why this is why uh, Stuart Gordon works so fucking well, and why yep. like Herbert West isn't perceived as comedy is because like that man is playing that every yes. note of yes. every yes. Jeffrey yeah. Combs well, is just doing for the oh sit, preaching to he's the an cheap actor. Yes, 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 yeah. and he's committing to the, like he's a a a. a a great actor can make a bad script good. Yeah, and yeah. Jeffrey Combs is a profundly underrated character yeah. actor. And not oh, saying Stuart yeah. Gordon's scripts yeah. are bad. I'm just saying that's the power of acting. Yeah, well, yes, your is. hot take yeah. earlier, Kyle, about uh, Charles Band and Stuart Gordon, I think you're 100% right. I think that one of the things that Jordan has said that I've kind of co-opted about Stuart Gordon is that nothing is ever enough for him. Yeah. There is no over-the-top for Stuart Gordon. Too much so, is enough. So yeah. to... Look at a Stuart Gordon project and say, "I have to edit this." Yeah, dude, you're kneecapping him yes, immediately because yeah. the minute that you tell Stuart Gordon, yeah. he can't. And, but go. I also understand. I also understand that maybe the two and a half hour cut of whatever the fuck Stuart Gordon does may not be everybody's sure. cup of tea. But he would he would be better known and up there ranked higher in how we talk about horror directors if he didn't yeah. get short leashed. By Charles Band. Yeah, we really talk about so. Charles Band all the time, and I feel like people. For, I I'm a, one of, one of those people, one of those horror fans where I'm like, I forget 
some of the movies that Stuart Gordon is oh, connected yeah. to. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and they're and incredible. they're always good. They're incredible. Yeah. I think he was he never fully got the respect he deserved. He never got the pedestal that like he never got the budgets he deserved. And I don't think that he can't with what the output is that he did. Like I think that there's a lot of love for Stuart Gordon. I think there could there could have been more. Hey like, man, yeah. that dude, no, 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 that dude run, wrote "Honey, yep. I Shrunk the Kids." He's doing all right. <laughs> the only <laughs> thanks for keeping me humble, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> really, the only mainstream analog I can think of for Stuart Gordon would be somebody like Toby Hooper. Yeah, that while Toby Hooper absolutely 100 percent existed in the circle of mainstream horror directors like Joe Dante, Spielberg to some extent, fucking um, who did American Werewolf? Um, John Landis. John Landis. Yeah, John Landis. Yeah. There was something very rebellious and very don't tell me what to do about Toby Hooper yeah, that I think kneecapped him as a director. Yes. And he just never got like he was constantly offered projects that would have rocketed him yeah. into. And he would have done well. Yeah. Like, like I think he, he would have. Yeah. Done well. But Toby Hooper was like, nah, like, yeah. I don't really want to be told what to do. But yeah. I think he also understood like the, the extent of his honesty. And like yeah. a, as a filmmaker, yeah. right? He's like, yeah, I could technically do this script, but, he but I, would I yeah. be being honest to you? Telling the well, story, you know who he not. had a huge influence on, who was very similar to that, and did make it into the mainstream. Richard Linkletter, yeah. sure, right? Yeah. I would challenge anyone to tell me what Richard Linkletter's style is because it doesn't exist. He will literally like he just pivots, yeah. right? The same dude that made Slacker made fucking Scanner Darkly. I feel like Richard Linkletter is one of the the filmmakers that I love in the sense of like you can literally look at their career and be like, okay, so he made. Bad News Bears because he really wanted to make before midnight or, or whatever. Just, you know, like it's yeah. just like, hey, I'm going to do this movie. I'm going to get a really big paycheck and then I can just use that paycheck to make the movie that I am like yeah. so Because there's no doubt in his mind that he couldn't do Bad News Bears. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. Like, yeah, he could like, yeah, easily I, have I, said, no, I'm good. I tend <laughs> to look at it. I tend to look at it. He's just he's a he's pure like it is an artist. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. like, you know what? I want to make Bad Santa now. Like, yeah. why not? Yeah, I just made Scanner, or yeah, I just made Waking Life. But now I want to do a movie about Billy Bob Thornton drunkenly fuck right. fucking a mall yeah. employee. And, and he's kind of <laughs> one of the genesis of the, the mumble core. Yeah, right? he's Which, personally responsible for Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I always think, I always say Tarantino's mumble core. That's maybe a hot my hot take, is that... Whoa. Yeah. I feel how, like how he, can that be a well? That, that that equation makes no sense to me, but I, I'm willing. It, he, he goes so far into being, uh, like... His his dialogue is so specific that it goes around to being mumble, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. so you're because talking? He's so a, like he's like high, not high budget mumblecore, but like, but kind of. He's he's reaching for this unattainable thing that it actually is like, oh, you're doing something kind of just crazy and just having these people talk, even though they're they're in a different class I, of like. Yeah. But I think mumble- that's a crazy thing. I was gonna yeah. say Richard Linklater. I think is way more willing to let his actors like have fun with the character and kind of explore who that character yeah. is. Where, like you said, directly influenced Kevin Smith, another dude like like Tarantino who will not let people. I was going to say Kevin Smith is like real big on it, like enforcing line reads. Like, no, you're going to read this line yeah. this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think my favorite like, um, story of him ever was Ben Affleck. Apparently, on the set of Chasing Amy, kept wanting to make up his own lines, and Kevin Smith kept being like, "No, no, read it as it said." Then he has to do his long speech, and he's like, turns out I'm a fucking terrible actor who can't remember remember lines, so I'm just making it up, and Ben Affleck's like, oh, you get to make up whatever lines you want. He goes, like, I'm the writer. These are called rewrites. <laughs> like, yeah. That's, yeah, that's hilarious. And the, and the writers can, can do that, because like... <laughs> 
there's point to the mumble, right? Like that that that's like maybe the distance between like Tarantino and some of like what people consider mumblecore is because like every line is very surgically like giving you information about the character, and you're learning about the dynamic that everyone has with each other all through the dialogue, whether or not they're talking about Madonna or whatever the fuck you know. Those movies shouldn't, in theory, work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the 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 soft pitch of like Clerks is just like guy has to work on his day off. Yeah, right. It's like, how is that actually a somewhat entertaining 90 minutes? Or even like Dazed and Confused, a movie that I have watched so many more times than I think I realized that I watched because it was just such a regular thing to pop in my DVD player. Scott, you and I talk about this all the time. Like the day in the life movies where it's just yeah. like, it's all in one the day. 90s. There's such an easy pitch to people, but it's like, all right, these guys work at a record store. That's the movie. <laughs> and and I think here's where we're talking the difference between plot and story, right? Yeah. Because, like, Tarantino movies are plot-heavy. Like, as much story is going on within that, like, they're plot-heavy movies. And these sure. movies you're talking about, like, Dazed and Confused, they're not plot-heavy. No. no. The, literally, story. No, they're environmental the and story. Yeah. And, like, the thing that's cool worlds. about something like Dazed and Confused, I never even thought about this until I was listening to, there's a podcast my friend does called um, High School Slumber Party that's just, all he does is review high school movies. Oh, okay, which, like, yeah. when you just... He's like, that little caveat, he's like, I thought I'd do, like, 100 episodes. He's on, like, 300. He's like, there's so many movies where every <laughs> yeah. character's a high schooler. It's insane. But he was talking about Daisy Confused. He's like, the thing that I love about this movie is, at the end of the day, it is an inconsequential day of school for these people. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, nothing has changed in any of these people's lives. They've had no major epiphanies, no major gross, ultimately, like... They're just living a day. And that's also <laughs> literally what fucking life was. Too. Yeah, it's like, that's the most, that's the closest to life, even if the most far fetched shit happens in that type of stuff. It's like, if you build a, a day that way, well, and it's somebody's like, day is going to look and like it's, that. At it, some but point it's a time. special day, right? It's a day circled around ritual, right? This yeah, is it's a day around a, yeah, high school ritual. School. Yeah. Everybody's like, they're just forced into a placement of this ritual and they're all forced to enact it. And nobody's quite sure why. And I think that's where the comedy of this whole thing is. is because everyone's lives are interacting because of a thing that they have no say well, over. Well, it is, isn't it interesting that in Dead Alive, the movie that we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dead Alive. The, well, Dead Alive is essentially. Movie, no, yes. I'm going to tie it in. Watch this. Here, Dead Alive it. is essentially a day in the life movie. Yes. Right? But it's a day in the life movie where everything goes as horribly wrong as it possible. And bucks you know that, it, that formula that plays out in movies like Dazed and Confused, where it's like, this is just how my day is going to play out normally. Dead Alive is like, but what if zombies happen? Again, another layer on that containment. Yeah, And Lionel, above all people, he's like, he is so fucking, like, he puts on the blinders, right? And he's like, my mom's uh, like a pile of slop who's coming to life, right? That's what I call my mom, too. I just power through. I'm mowing that lawn today. You know, I'm just like, I got to do this thing. He's like, it's, it's, a, a type of childhood trauma yeah, where you put yeah. yourself last, you know, and and so he's like, I can't think about the big picture here. Very I played out. Have to just like one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Very played yeah, out by that yeah. mother relation, mother and son relationship. It's like that's the perfect thing to build it upon. It's like both it's cartoonish sometimes, but very, also yeah. very real. Like people have sure. those relationships with their mothers. It's like it's you know, it, yes, yeah. It's it's well, it, it, it walks gets a fine like, line. It, it, I saw the fucking craziest TikTok yesterday where it was talking about boy moms and, um, you know, like toxic boy mom stuff. There's actual term for it where it's called emotional incest. And it's exactly what this movie is, which yeah. it, it blew my mind that, that like I'd never heard that term before. But also it makes total sense because, you know, like she literally brings him back into her womb. Yeah. And yes. has to fight yeah. his way oh, out yeah. a second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. But like and she hates uh, Paquita. 
she she hates her because she's gonna stealing, take away her stealing son, her son yeah. away. Yeah. And and he's just like And he uh, starts to blame her for everything that's happening to his mom. Yeah. yeah. She has nothing to do with it. Yeah. But it but like like yeah. she, he's got Stockholm syndrome, like like crazy, right? Yeah, this yeah. is literally like Gypsy Rose, that yep. like that whole story, but like Gypsy Rose with zombies. Yeah, yeah. With zombies. <laughs> wow, that's the elevator pitch for this movie, guys. Elevated. <laughs> that is the hottest take I've heard today. <laughs> Gypsy Rose with zombies. Real hot take though. This is a romance movie. Like above almost all things, is. this is and a it's romance. Hot as hell. <laughs> She's like the great love or something yeah, like the that. Yeah, the great. There will be one love. Right and like the whole thing is so it is a magic movie. Literally, the medallion she could do so like a much compass better. points him where he needs to go. Yeah. At one point, it's he's a magic kind of a bumbling movie. idiot, and it's great. No, here's the thing: is that Paquita is manifesting. Yeah. Um, she, and, oh, big time! And, and I love that because <laughs> it's basically like this movie is all magic. It's it's it's, mm-hmm. and I do really like the um, the tarot edition to yes, it. Well, I was too. actually going to just bring that up though. I'm like. She barely even knows this fucking dude, but the tarot card says, like, hey, this is the dude you're going to marry. And she's like, all right. I'm fucking <laughs> like, surprised yeah, there's I'm not more tarot. There, it is a small town, my friend. That is true. Yeah, and, and especially because we just seen her, like, crushing on Roger, the milkman or yeah. whoever. And she's just like, you know yeah, what? Grocery boy. Tarot, tarot say it ain't Roger. It ain't Roger. Tarot cards have not driven a plot more since People Under the Stairs. I was yes. going to say People <laughs> Under the Stairs. People Under the Stairs. That's right. Uh, Matt, I think we just watched The Love Witch. <laughs> yeah, oh, that shit. is true. Right. We did watch oh, The Love Witch. One quest for love against all and it's odds. that it's that bookended story, right? Yeah. Like that's again what makes this shit work. Well, there's a bit of like Peter Jackson. That that's a bit of that like Del Toro that I see in Peter Jackson, which is that storybook element, sure. which is why he's so great for Lord of the Rings, is because he's able to frame all of this stuff, this fucking the gore fest that is dead alive, as a romantic fairy tale. Like that is really the 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 framing that the story still gets. That's at the why end of the it was day. a kids movie. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like that's why they talked about PG thirteen. There's no swearing. There's not a no bare nudity. breast in the I film. I mean, there's I mean the there's the, puppet the big, boobs. Well, but. there's puppet boobs, but so did Howard the Duck. Yeah, you know, and that so, got a PG thirteen. So sure, and that movie is way more horrifying. You guys want to do? You guys want to do a long ranking of uh, puppet boobs? <laughs> Can we figure out that out first? <laughs> I think we all knew it would get number it. one. Team America. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, number two. Let my puppets come. It's really good. Oh my! The God, only really porn good. I own. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Vinegar Syndrome. That tracks. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. So if you guys didn't know, Matt um, produces. Uh, I did. Yeah. Multiple porn star. Mar- multiple porn star podcasts, but does not enjoy porn at all. Unless it's got puppets. Maybe that makes you a good host for the porn star podcast well i don't host it i literally just record and produce it but like as soon as you become like a regular friend of someone you really can't risk accidentally stumbling on them naked on the internet yeah Yeah. (laughs) here's the thing is i I get that and i respect that but also and this is not like for actual you know porn stars more of like the only fans of it all i if if there were attractive people in my life I don't care a gender. If there are attractive people in my life that I know that are making money off of showing their goodies, I would be interested to see. I mean, that's it's the whole conceit of Zach and Mary make a porno, like, right? What's the fuss like, all about? Yeah. I mean, well, you want to empower your friends? Or they, they, everyone's always like, come to my show. My band is playing. And then no one shows up. And they're like, God, I wish people would come to my show. Do you think they're like, why don't people watch my pornographic films? You is it because you know me does not eliminate yeah, my love of titties. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, right. Like, exactly. I, I feel like I, I, I know that we're getting down a slippery slope of like, <laughs> 
consent of of yeah, your partners yeah, yeah. and and the 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 social consequences of everybody being naked yeah. on the internet and but the voyeurship yeah. of it all yeah yeah exactly but i mean is it voyeurship if you're paying for it, it it's like it's supporting it's someone that you know well, so is, is it any different from us going downstairs tomorrow and somebody that we know has goods that we well, buy so i, I, don't, guess, I yeah. don't know i think this I guess, is actually yeah. cuz sex work you, is like very hard well i think this is half where you have to maybe ask about the intention of their sex work yes, because there are exactly. some like artists or professionals or people who I know who I might not really fucking dig on supporting and it's because of the way that they approach their work. So if oh, there was sure. a, if there was a, a performer or a sex worker or something like that who approached their work with something that I was like, I dig that and I support that. And if you're giving me a platform in which I can support you, then I'll do that. Um, but I also love titties too, so I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> is this really like a titty? Titty? Listen, a titty is a titty is a titty. Is a titty so it's if like having a baby has taught me anything, yeah. it's that it is far more normal than I thought it was to yeah, love man. a titty. <laughs> my daughter, dude, my daughter looks at my wife's breast in a way that I could never. <laughs> like, and I get it. It's life or death for her. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. But like the way so she looks at it, I'm just like, yeah, dude, this is instinctual. Like, yeah. it's like the world through the eyes of a child. Yeah. Titties are, makes me want to go back to 13 year old me and be like, bro, this is normal as fuck. Right? Yeah. But th- think about how important they are, but also think about how normal they are, and it's a beautiful thing. She's suddenly sounding like Eugene Levy talking to his kid in all the American Pie movies. Oh, I can't wait. Perfectly, to talk normal, about perfectly, yeah. Yeah. perfectly normal. Perfectly fine. Perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. It's not weird that all perfectly you have is Sears catalog. <laughs> We made do bef- when it was dial-up. We really you did, though. You make do when it's dial-up. That needs to be on a shirt. And ca- well, even before dial-up, dude, occasionally Fredericks of Hollywood would like accidentally no, send. They ne- dude, it happened to me more than me. one time that they would you accidentally so lucky. send a catalog to like resident. <laughs> did you live in Frederick? <laughs> is it right. Fredericks of Hollywood? <laughs> this is exclusive. Why is there not? <laughs> Here, here's, my, here's a hot take for you guys about nudity. Um, not National Geographic, but Life Oof. Magazine was a godsend. Oh man, what? that's called vintage porn, Scott. The, it's not, no, not, no. I'm not talking it's old Life magazine. Media. I'm talking about contemporary Life magazine when I was in like 1996, or whatever, like that. Because <laughs> you could take that in the bathroom, you could read the articles. Yeah. Sorry, mom, I'm sure you're listening to this, but I'm I was masturbating. Getting smarter. Yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Why you come out so sweaty? I was thinking real hard. Yeah, I was thinking real hard. <laughs> well, Dead Alive's a not so sexy movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's really not. No, nothing. You know, I, and I love. So funny thing about when we did this our, our episode on this movie, um, I was like, oh yeah, it just it was it came out in '93, but it was looking like it was like you know '57 because um, because it's New Zealand, That's and that was like Zealand. literally no. It, it, when you read the 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 explanation on Wikipedia, it says like 1958. It's supposed to be. It's a it's a historical movie and i have the biggest thing for mm. those dresses from the 50s yeah. you have the like Empire a 50s thing and, i've noticed oh, yes, this yes. and i've learned this very quickly yeah it's i i wear it on my shoulder um but as much as i love the the outfits that the women have and their hairdos yeah nothing about this movie is sexy no, <laughs> like, no. it's like the no. least sexy no. movie no, and that's I've watched the thing about this movie is it has like two vibes and there's like the the cheesy like keyboard like score and the melodrama that's happening and then just like actively trying to gross you out yeah and like yeah. the originality of like almost every single fucking kill in this movie is outstanding yeah because we could w- not pick a favorite <laughs> we no really couldn't you tried. can't oh, and I like and it's not like every other one is cool or like there's like a couple standouts every single one is like ridiculously thought out and the gag is absurdly yeah. detailed the closest and they're thing I've so ever, memorable the closest thing i've ever seen 
to it being so like individualized is something like society, which is not oh, really yeah. like yeah, not really different. in the same yeah. But exactly. no, it's, it's, it's a similar vein where like if you're showing someone either one of those movies for the first time, yeah, it it is up. a slow build up to this like final third act where it's like all fucking hell is about to break yeah. loose and yeah. you are not prepared for what's yeah, about yeah, to yeah, really yeah, happen. Right, right. Like, right. You know, I, and this isn't a hot take at all, but I would, I, it, you know, to keep friends... We're obsessed with these hot takes. Yeah. Everything yeah, has to be everything's, hot. <laughs> everything's hot. I'm saying it so that people don't think that I'm trying to be controversial sure, because yeah, I'm yeah, not. Yeah. Um, but if you want to keep friends and you're going to show them one of those two movies, you show them dead alive because yes. like if yep. you show somebody yeah. society yep. cold... It is the only. Is it your it changes, over, and you just yeah. watch them. You remember and not the episode the movie? of South Park <laughs> with the aliens that are like, "Oh, he sucked my jag on." Yeah, <laughs> I immediately thought of society during that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's, that's, and because that's the level of disturbed that like the climax of society is, where it's just like, I don't know what a jag on is, but that guy has one, and that other dude <laughs> is sucking on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a probably a slight chance. I'm just guessing here, but the little bit that I know about Trey and Matt. I'm on the bed. They watch the shit out of society. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, no yeah. doubt. I'm sure <laughs> no fucking doubt. Yeah, I bet they watch the shit out of uh, Dead Alive too, because the the eye scene in Cannibal the Musical is literally the yeah. exact same just, consistency just as the custard. Yeah. You know, I fucking love Cannibal the Musical. <laughs> yeah, I really uh, wish you would have been on that episode instead of me. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, that was Brian and I trying our best. Yeah, well, we, we did an entire month of, of musicals. musicals. Oh, did you really? Did you yeah. not do Repo the Genetic Opera? No, we, we just no. Wow, it's not for no, any of no, us. Uh, no, no, uh, no. Giles from Buffy for you. Guys. Look, I love Giles when he sings. Well, who was I talking to about this? You've talked about it on the. It was podcast, just you, uh, literally an hour and a half ago, two hours ago. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, how about this? You can come on the show for an episode, and we can talk about Repo the Genetic Fuck Opera, yeah, and you. Yeah. I'll defend it vehemently. Yeah. I don't even... So I've I've tried like three times with that movie for different podcasts, and it's not that I dislike it. It's just strictly not for me. Somebody was saying that there was just like, there's not not a memorable song. It's Grease for Gorehounds. No, it's Grease 2 for Gorehounds. All right, yes, I'll give you that. I'll give it to Michelle Pfeiffer Grease. Grease for Gorehounds is a great band name? name? (laughs) I don't know, but it's something good. It is. We talked a lot about Dead Alive. We talked about a lot of other stuff. Uh, We really learned a little bit about ourselves. Yeah, we learned at the end of the day that Camp Nightmare is inside us all. That's right. And we're all a little bit dead inside, you know, at the end of the day. I think if we learned anything over the last last like four hours yeah which has been a lot we 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 can't stay on a topic if we put us all in a room <laughs> fuck, no. Fuck, fuck no that's Who why i like this core of podcast. yeah, yeah. The, the mumble gore we're mumble core <laughs> we're not like in a studio or anything we're like locked in a hotel room so it's like nothing that to the do fire alarm there's like nowhere to go because we're apparently we're dead i was vaping and the turn it set the fire alarm off so boys thank you for joining us hey matt kyle scott thank you yeah tell the audience what you do promote your thing sure. Uh, every week we talk about different horror movies. Um, our bread and butter is definitely like the eighties into the early two thousands, but we'll, we'll as long it. as it's ten years older, yeah, 10 years that's kind of older, that's we'll kind of our it. our rule. We need the ten year rule. Let's yeah. keep that rule to movies, and I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then yeah, like we I don't know, we barely talk about the movie. I. I feel like I've said this before, but like the Matt Kelly brand of podcasting is like start with a very specific topic and then barely talk about that topic over an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah we, <laughs> so. we also do bonus content on our Patreon called Soundtracking, where we do. Obviously, we discuss Shit. every epi- or every song from a soundtrack that from a movie. Oh, and like um, it is so unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like 
from beyond, yeah. it's American Pie 2. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, it's got to be all needle drops. I believe Bouncing Off the Walls by Sugar Cult is in that song. No, that yeah. is on American, uh, American Weddings, unfortunately. <sighs> You're talking to the experts. Thank you guys so much for hanging out in this hotel room uh, and just like drinking weird alcoholic Mountain Dews and yeah. talking about Dead Alive. This has yeah. been a lot of fun. Hell yeah. So everyone out there, go check out Horror Movie Night and about uh, 50 million different podcasts. <laughs> that Matt you do, wait, so hold on. The Geekscape You do Network. a podcast about the OC? I heard that. So I just... That's so random in your catalog of things. That no, it's very on it's brand. It's like right I've on never, point. I've never <laughs> seen the OC before um, and our friend Joe Farron from another horror podcast called Fright School. Yeah. Uh, that's like... One of his favorite shows. It's his go-to show whenever he's like going through a breakup. So him and his long-term boyfriend. Go through a lot of breakups. Just, this person. Well, he he him and his like long-term boyfriend just broke up last year, and I was like, hey, dude, I know you're about to watch the OC because that's like what you do when you go through a breakup, and I've been meaning to watch the OC. <laughs> so like, let's make this a podcast. Not to explore. What if we made your po- yeah your breakup a podcast? Yeah, I know that you're in a really bad place. So like, why not money? record it? <laughs> like, it's like we don't got to make we got, we don't got to make eye contact. But it's been. I mean, that's been. That show's fucking wild. Like, it's, I mean, I love how the OC of all the shows you run, the OC is the one that's fucking wild. It's because it, it's just like everything that happens. You're like, what the fuck? Like, with I love it's of all the podcasts I do, it's the one I have the most fun making TikToks from oh, okay. because like right. I have to pull the clips where it's like, no, here's the receipts of what we're talking about. This is fucking bonkers that this happened in an episode right now. Like. <laughs> I just can't get my head around the OC. I'm sorry. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, and happy campers, that is our discussion about Dead Alive. Was Clearly it? Clearly. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think so it was. So, boys, thank you one more time. Thank you. Thank you. From the hotel room and Creature Feature Weekend. Signing off. <laughs> that was our convo with Horror Movie Night. I hope you guys could could follow along it's also like matt kelly and the horror movie night guys have a style which is as matt describes his brand of podcasting is bring up a subject and then almost never discuss it yep so like we're along for that ride quite a bit and i think that was a lot of yeah. fun well and, and we still stand to sneak a little dead alive conversation in I, there. I think matt was the only truly sober person in that room like kyle and scott definitely were the drunkest people in that yeah. room like all right, so when we Kyle, when we yes. did the when we did the, so right before this we did the horror movie night 400th episode which I think is going to be released sometime soon on their show. They were and, like partying on their 400th episode day, you know? I get that. You can you can ask Jordan whenever we do these big cons like my go-to move is I roll a bunch of big gram size pre-roll joints that are just there to put you in a certain place. Uh sometimes that He's place armed. is bed Sometimes that place is a great discussion. Especially, you know, it's weird to like just lock that many people in like a small space, like a hotel room, and try to pick a single subject, give everyone oh, yeah. a microphone, and say go. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope we get to do something else like that again. We'll have to like kidnap those dudes to a hotel room at a future convention. Maybe I'm the here. next creature. I'm here feature. for it. So next week, campers, we are giving you guys the audio from our live Q&A panel mm-hmm. from Creature Feature Weekend mm-hmm. uh, with star of Dead Alive, Tim Ball. Mr. Tim Ball! He was amazing, I think, uh, and it's really special because the dude does not get on this side of the world very often. He really doesn't. He's so, a good dude. He's a good dude. He hasn't done a festival a con like that in like almost a decade, so I feel very fortunate that we were able to hang out with him on stage and, and do that kind of thing. So that's next week.
Yep. Uh, as always, guys, when you're done listening here, jump over to our website, campnightmare.com, uh, where you can go to the extra section and then under that, the X Files section, yes. where we post all of the visual aids that we can't show you because this is an audio only podcast. Yeah, you can check that um, big shark trailer. Big shark trailer. We'll probably we'll have that link up to our local sheriff's indictment, which is fucking great. Woohoo! Uh, but yeah, you can also go over to the merch store, pick up all different kinds of merch. You know, we got grinders, we got papers, we got t-shirts. Uh, we got the Nothing is Real t-shirt, which is soon to be famous in Sean Whalen's crust movie, story. so you can get yours now. We've also got the Don't Tell Me What to Do line, uh, which is from Ringer Tees that are pretty fucking cool. We've got some stickers you can get. Either way, check out the merch store. If you're feeling super generous and you want to get even deeper into the camp business, you can go to patreon.com slash campnightmare where you can sign up for any one of our newly renovated tiers. We now, we, 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 we overhauled our tier structure on, on a Patreon recently. So for $5, you can get uh, access to all of our secret episodes as well as our watch-alongs that we're going to be doing. We got one coming up this month. Yeah, the patrons voted and we're watching the Loch Ness Horror the Loch Ness on our next Horror. B-movie watch-along. Which is Patreon exclusive, and everybody on pa- as as low as a dollar, everyone can join the Discord community for our patrons, which is always popping off and always a lot of fun. Uh, and hey, at a certain tier, we'll write a horror story about you and your uh, and something horrible happening to about you, your untimely demise. And we'll read it on the show. Yeah, uh, it's it's a great way to get to to know us better and talk with us. A it's a way for us to bond, get to know you, you know? better as well, like and build our little camp fam. You know, I talk about this a lot. How uh, off the air? How I have. Uh, some anxiety issues with like being a podcast host and like then getting to like meeting my listeners in real life. Like it can be overwhelming for me sometimes and I'm getting better at it. Uh, But Patreon has really allowed me to do that in a way that I feel safer about it. Right. Like, but, and I, and as a result, I have managed to form some relationships with some of the people that, you know, our listeners, uh, Rob Wright sticks out to me as somebody that I've really gotten to know. And, you know, Jason, Michael, Jason, Michael. And like, I love both those guys. And like, as much as you might get out of it, we get shit out of that too. Not just your money. Like we, we, we we love to get to know you a little bit better. So yeah, we love the community, and like that's yeah. a huge reason we love horror, and that's a huge re- huge reason we do what we do. So Patreon just helps us do that a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, we want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Special Tees, Special Dash T E E S dot com, uh, for all of your merch needs. Special Tees is the place to go. Just last night, I was talking to you and I's good friend Adrian Smith. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, "Hey, do you know anybody that does merch? This is not a commercial for Special Tees. This is a real story that happened." Well, it is a commercial. For it is commercial for specialties. But she was like, hey, do you know, we're, we're getting ready. She's in a local band called The Dirty Middle, uh, which if you haven't checked check them out on Spotify. But she, she was like, we want to do a new run of T-shirts. We want to do a new run of merch in general. And I was like, oh, my God, go to specialties. Uh, and gave her the whole spiel about them. But suffice to say, guys, they stand by their work. And they're not afraid to go back to the drawing board if you don't like what they present. Just go there and tell them the Dark Lord Crondor sent you. Hail Crondor! Uh, so yeah, that does it for this week, guys. Thank you so much once again. My name is JB. And I'm Jordan. Uh, nothing is real. And don't tell us what to do. Thanks for listening to Camp Nightmare. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Slasher. And for full Campfire Tales, interviews, X-Files, and more, visit CampNightmare.com. 
and join our Patreon community of happy campers for monthly secret episodes, exclusive merch deals, B-movie watch-alongs, access to our Discord channel, and more. Visit patreon.com slash campnightmare.